Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Today, what I want to speak with you on is entitled Living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. If you were here last week, we uh, launched into a new series, which is simply entitled The Holy Spirit. And we're knowing His person, His presence, and His power. And I really, as I shared last week, I really believe that over these next few weeks together, maybe it's already happened, there's going to be such a shift in our awareness of the presence of God dwelling with us at all times when you are born again of the Spirit. In fact, I can tell you that we heard testimonies already this week of people who were just out and about in their regular lives with a greater awareness that God was with them, the Holy Spirit. And last week, it's important, if you, if you missed it, it's important if you can go back and, and check it out, especially if you'll be with us, because it really laid the foundation, which is that ultimately, the Holy Spirit has been put in us because God has always been desiring to be with his people. He's been desiring a home to dwell in. And throughout the Old Testament, we see God abiding in the midst of his people, but now he can actually abide in his people. Do you know that God has actually grafted us into the very Godhead? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not as equals, but as adopted sons and daughters, we can now enjoy the fellowship that has always existed for all of eternity by the Holy Spirit. When this happens, you are awakened to the deepest and purest of love, and this is what radically transforms lives. So we shared last week how the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us first and foremost for fellowship with God. It's the very purpose of the gospel is union with God. But today what I want to speak on is entitled Living by the Spirit. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read just a few verses here today. Romans chapter 8. And again, we always have it up on the screen. Living by the Spirit. Let me just share this. Some refer to Romans chapter 8 as Paul's Pentecost. There is no single chapter in the entire Bible that speaks more of the inner working of the Spirit. So if you want a homework assignment, I would encourage you this week to go and look at Romans chapter 8 because it's quite impactful. The whole premise is essentially the Holy Spirit is in us and he's making us more like Jesus. Romans 8.29, he's conforming us to the image of the Son who is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It says the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray when we don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit is literally taking everything in our life, even the nasty stuff, and he's turning it around to work for good that we would look more like Jesus. It's absolutely incredible what he's doing. Now, we can't go into all of it, so I encourage you to go there. But I want to just highlight a few things here. If you've ever read through the book of Romans, there's a beautiful progression that takes place. And I want to just share this to set the background, to understand what Paul is talking about, about the power of God that lives in us. In Romans chapter 5, Paul basically emphasizes this term justification. He says, when you confess Christ and are born again of the Spirit, you are no longer condemned. You are in right standing before a holy God. You are justified. It's beautiful. Then he goes into Romans chapter 6 and he says, do you know that you died with Christ? But because you have died with Christ, you are now also living in new life, a resurrected life. He says, every, he says, consider yourself dead, your old nature, every part of you. 
Your old passions and pursuits and your old way of thinking, it's dead and gone, for you have been made alive now in Christ. And you no longer live like that. You live by the Spirit of God now. And he goes into chapter 7, and he actually keeps this train of thought when he starts it. And God really was speaking to me of this picture that Paul uses. He gives a picture of a marriage. And Paul says this. He says, you, you have been released from the demands of the law. And the way he pictures it, he says, imagine a husband and a wife if they were together. And he says, if they were to be separated and if the, the wife were to remarry, she would be committing adultery. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law. In other words, what Paul is saying is each and every one of us are married to the law. And therefore, the law speaks out condemnation over us because the wages of sin is death. But what Jesus has done is he's come here and said, I will die for you. So when you put your faith in me, you enter into my death, releasing you from this marriage to the law and allowing you to remarry to the Spirit. And now you can live by the Spirit. Jesus has liberated us from that. So throughout chapter 7, Paul goes on to say this. It's so beautiful. He's speaking of his old nature, and he says, man, he says, willpower is not enough. He says, I long to do the right things. I long to come after God. I really want to please God. But the picture he almost creates is like there's this pull on his life, like it's gravity. Like, I can't break free from this. I can't stop doing the things I know I shouldn't do, and the things I'm supposed to do, I, I can't do them. Who will rescue me? And he says, thanks be to God, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Paul was saying, I am in need of a greater power than this power of sin and death. And what he's getting at is the Holy Spirit is that very substance. The Holy Spirit is not a power by itself. He manifests the power. He's a person who's manifesting the power of God in your life. A lot of times in, in that Romans chapter 7, we use that. I've used that before with a misunderstanding of thinking this was a, a picture of the life of a new believer who has the Holy Spirit. And so we use that when Paul says, why do I do what I don't want to do and so on and so forth. We use that and say, well, look, Paul, Paul struggled as well, and that's why I'm doing this. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's actually saying that's who I used to be. He's actually saying you don't need to stay stuck in that place anymore. He says, that's how it used to be before the Holy Spirit came and lived in me. Listen, my friends, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, therefore, there's no condemnation. This isn't a message of condemnation. It's a message of liberation. He has said, you don't have to stay there anymore. You don't have to be stuck to watching that thing on a screen that you know you shouldn't. You don't have to be bound in anger anymore. You don't have to be bound by gossip anymore. You don't have to be bound by that bottle anymore. Don't you know that you are liberated and therefore you can live according to life in the spirit now? Listen, grace, the grace of God, this is the full picture of God's grace. On one aspect, it's radical forgiveness. But on the other aspect, it's radical empowerment. Grace is not an enabler for us to stay stuck in defeat. It's empowerment for us to live in victory. That's what Paul's getting at. Man, don't you know you don't have to stay there anymore? And so the picture I, I had when I was going through this, I was inspired by something that was said in one of our Alpha trainings. Um, but the picture I had, to just keep this so simple, of the necessity of the Holy Spirit for the new believer, is can you imagine if you were buying, I was imagine if I was buying Caden for Christmas, a brand new remote control car. 
right? And I mean, this thing is the best thing that he's ever seen. He's never had anything like it. It's the newest model. And on Christmas morning, he opens it up. And when he reads the package, though, we realize one thing. Batteries are not included. <laughs> and we quickly realize we have every, this is how it always works, you have every battery you need except the one that you need for that. <laughs> and it's a holiday, so the store is closed. So now what, what do we have? You have this beautiful new car that is rendered powerless because it lacks the very source of power that it needs to function. That is the Holy Spirit in our life. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit animates the truths that Christ has purchased for you. What do I mean? Christ has purchased new positional realities for you. You are now holy. You are now righteous. You're now a child of God. You're now a new creation, but that's for you. What the Holy Spirit does is takes these from being just positional realities and makes them practical realities that are being lived through you. So if Christ is holiness for you, the Holy Spirit is holiness through you. If Christ is new creation for you, the Holy Spirit is new creation through you. If Christ is sonship for you, it's the Holy Spirit that's living sonship through you. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot live this life. The Spirit of God is literally the very substance of the life of Christ that has been dispensed into us to live through us. Everything that we are called to do as a new believer, as a born-again believer, is in dependence on the Holy Spirit. That is why Ezekiel, the Lord let Ezekiel to prophesy, I will put my spirit into you. Ezekiel 37, 14, listen to this. I will put my spirit in you and make you live. It's the spirit that's poured in you that's making you live. This is the way. Because listen, everything that flows from the first Adam produces death. Therefore, we need to live a life that flows from the second Adam, which is Christ. Everything that we do must flow from the second Adam. Everything in our life succeeds or fails based on our relationship to the Holy Spirit. So I want to pick it up here. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. That's all I'm going to read. But Paul is speaking now. I'm going to give you some practical things of living a life by the Spirit. You say, this is awesome. We have this power. But how do we live by this? Well, listen to what Paul says. He gives us just a few things here. Reading out of the ESV, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So how do you know if someone's walking by the Spirit? Life and peace. Galatians goes even deeper. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When someone's walking by the Spirit, you will notice because the fruit of the Spirit will manifest from their life. Peace goodness, gentleness, you will know. So someone say, I'm living by the Spirit. But if they're not seeing that fruit, something's off. They're setting their mind, their heart on something else. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's why we talk about you have to worship in the Spirit. We may even do a message on that. Our worship even has to be initiated by the Spirit taking us and leading us to the Lord. It can't be through our own fleshly ideas of it. Verse 9 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. If, in fact, if, in fact, 
Faith in Christ leads to an indwelling spirit. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, or you are in Christ, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. Listen to this. And we could just spend the rest of our lives, folks, in this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through, the spirit, through his spirit who dwells in you. So the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to also raise you from the dead. And that spirit right now is living in you when you were born again. Verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. says we're no longer obligated to live how we used to live. That's how it used to be. You see what Paul's saying? He says, man, you've been liberated from that. For Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But listen to this, but if by the Spirit, we'll come back to this, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Wow. New life that comes by living by the Holy Spirit. I think we all have a tendency, I know I do, to elevate certain truths of the Bible to such a degree that they become almost unobtainable. They're almost something that's reserved for the elite, and maybe one day I'll get there. Maybe one day when I mature enough, I'll be able to walk in what that says. And I feel like this idea of walking in the Spirit and living by the Spirit is one of those truths that we have so almost mystified that we feel like it's unobtainable. So many have said, man, that's for like the really mature ones. Is that what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying this is your nature now. When you're born of the Spirit, this is actually the normal life you now to live life by the Spirit. As I was reading through this over and over, I feel like one of the clear conclusions that just emerges from this text is that the victorious life, and this is important for where we're going, the victorious life is one that is not a mere matter of self-control. This is very important. To live a victorious life is not about human discipline and human effort. There's a place for that. Paul is saying you actually are being caught up in a, wholly, a totally different realm of living. It's by the Spirit now. And as I was preparing this and spending time with the Lord, he gave me a picture. So I just want to share this with you. He gave me a picture. I saw a picture of a, of a bird. I had no idea what it meant, but I just was wrestling through this and saying, Lord, give me revelation on this. What are you trying to teach here? And as I was working through it, I realized that, one, it wasn't just a bird. I felt like the Lord was saying it's an eagle. And then I began to see two pictures of this eagle. On one side, the eagle was flapping his wings. And then I saw another picture of an eagle that was soaring. And so I began to look this up and, and see, well, what, is this, what does this look like? And eagles can essentially, most birds can fly two different ways. One, they can flap and fly, or the other one is that they can soar. When they flap, they stay at lower altitude, and they exert almost 20 times more energy than when they soar. In fact, they can actually die if they overexert themselves in that. When they soar, they go to much higher altitudes. And do you ever see a, a, an eagle that soars? It's almost still. There's a rest. There's a peace to it. 
And what happens is an eagle will actually stay perched on a tree or a mountain, and it actually rides what's called these thermal currents, which is this hot air that rises. It waits. It waits for the wind current. Holy Spirit's what? Ruach in the Old Testament. What is that? Wind. Numa in the New Testament. Wind. The eagle waits for the wind current. And then when he senses it, he goes. And it will take him for a while, and then it will begin to drop a little bit, and then he finds another thermal current, and he keeps riding like that. I feel like many in this place, maybe I know I identify with this, many are frustrated because we often live a life, if I can just say without being funny, we live a life of flapping. <laughs> we stay in this realm of trying to walk this thing out in our own strength. So I feel like there's a part where Paul's talking about when we say flesh, it's not just that foundational sin. It's, it's also it can look good sometimes. It's human effort and discipline. And we can try to walk out this, this walk trying to almost keep both, both realms, the spirit and, and the flesh as well. And, and I just feel like it's completely insufficient to do that, and that's what Paul is saying. Listen to me. Maybe you identify with this. You can only get so far by human discipline. It only has a certain capability to take you so far, but it can't take you where Jesus wants to lead you. And so what happens is God in his grace and mercy allows you to get frustrated by your own Efforts and discipline to reveal to you that you are working according to another power other than the Holy Spirit. This is what he had to do in the life of Peter. What did it say? Peter said, Lord, even if everyone falls away, I won't. And I believe Peter's, that statement was sincere. He had honest devotion for the Lord. He truly wanted to walk with the Lord. And Jesus had to teach him, Peter, unless, unless I die and you're filled with the Spirit, your most sincere devotion will never cut it. It doesn't matter how badly you want it. You cannot do without my spirit. I am seeing in my life that most of my frustration is a result of me trying to pursue God without the life of God leading me. Most of our frustration comes from trying to walk this thing out, not by the spirit, but by our own strength. And so I think for a lot of us, we'd probably characterize our walk with God as it's, it's a grind, weary, on the verge of burnout. And I'm not saying we don't go through hard seasons, but that's not what we're seeing here in this scripture. I believe that there's a life to be lived and one that we completely entrust ourselves to the Holy Spirit. A lot of our devotion is by might and by power, but the Lord says it must be by the Spirit. Listen to what Diedrich Bonhoeffer said. This so rocked me. He said this. He said, Adam's curse was having to live life before God without life from God. Wow. Adam had to live life before God without the life of God living in him. Do you know you cannot even walk this thing out without the spirit of God in you? We need him to even pursue him. So how many of us are blessed under this new covenant, but we're living like we're under the curse? We're still trying to do this stuff in our own strength, and in his goodness, he allows us to just basically un fall apart because that's what has to happen. That's what he's doing in his goodness. Art Katz is another guy who was just awesome preacher in the 20th century. He said the only way to live for God is by God. We have to live by the Spirit. And one of the key ways is waiting. 
Living a life of waiting is one of the primary ways of which we live a life by the Spirit. It's that picture of the eagle who's perched because in the human waiting, in the waiting, human initiative is destroyed. All of our thoughts and plans of how we're going to do it, it's destroyed as we wait upon the Lord and we begin to enter into God's plan, God's initiation. And the scripture that fulfills all of what I'm sharing is Isaiah 40, 31, which says, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. What does it say? They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's where God wants to take us. That's where God wants to take you to live a life by the Spirit. If you're tired and frustrated because you've lived in this place of this lower realm, God wants to, God, God wants to bring you somewhere today. I believe that in my heart. Wants to, wants to mark you today that you live a life by the Spirit. Heidi Baker, who you know that we love and talk about often, you know, her ministry, we could speak forever about how supernatural it is. I don't remember if I shared this, but one of the key breakthroughs in, in her ministry was when the Lord said, Heidi, if you give me your mornings, I'll do more with you in a day than you've done in a whole year. If you learn to wait on me, Heidi, if you learn to listen, if you learn to let me be the one that's leading you, you'll see more fruit in your life than if you were just trying to run after there and do it all yourself. Why do we, why do we settle for that, that lesser realm? I was thinking about this. I don't, I'm sure there's many more reasons, but I know for me, there's a part where I find significance in doing a lot. I want everyone to hear this, though. Do not mistake movement for impact. Worldly success and kingdom fruit are very different. This is what Jesus was addressing at the church of Sardis. You remember we went through this in Revelation. He says what? You have a reputation for being alive, yet I find you dead. You are a church that has a great reputation in your community. There's great buzz. When people come around and say, where should I go? They point you to this church. But he says, but actually it's dead. And I believe the Lord was showing me it's because what they were doing was birth from the flesh, birth from human ingenuity, human cleverness, schemes and gimmicks. And it was not birth from the heart of the Father and the Spirit because only the Spirit brings life. That's what Jesus said. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Jesus taught that after he gave a really hard teaching about how he needed to be consumed, his body and his blood, and he was speaking spiritually, but those who were around said, man, we can't understand this, and Jesus said this, he says, the spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing, again, when he said flesh, he wasn't just speaking of that, that foundational sin, he was saying, man's ability to try to walk with me and understand me, he said, you'll always fall short, it's only by the spirit that you'll have life, and here's, here's another challenge, I think, of living in that realm of soaring, is who's really in control then? God, the Holy Spirit. You see, if you're going to live a life like this, you have to entrust yourself to the current of the Holy Spirit. You have to be willing to say, Lord, I allow you to lead me to places that I've never been. I allow you to lead me to things that I've been uncomfortable with. God, I'm not going to try to Control this thing in my own strength. Holy Spirit, lead me however you want. My friends, this is the key to walking in the new life is a denial of self. It must be a death to self. The gospel, 
the gospel and the new life, what did Jesus say? If any man follow me, he must deny himself. Self-preservation is the antithesis of the gospel, and it gets in the way of what God wants to do. So the more we deny ourselves, the more we lose ourselves, that is the very source of stepping into the new life where the spirit can have full control. And I pray that you would see his goodness for you, that you would allow yourself to be entrusted, that you'd say, Lord, lead me, God, help me. Listen, he's so good. I'm not saying this is just an overnight process. But as you're learning to, to let the Lord truly be the one that's guiding you, you'll stumble along the way, you'll make mistakes along the way, but know this, he is with you, and he's so committed for you to, to live in that realm. Life by the Spirit, listen to me, life by the Spirit means you must come under new management. You have to. The Spirit wants to manage your lives now. And this is God's goodness. Because the reason why that we're in the issues that we are is because of self-management. It's God's goodness that he comes and says, let me lead you now. Let me be the ruler of your life. The key to breaking those destructive cycles in your life is not for you to try to grind it out more. It's to surrender to the spirit and let the spirit in you lead your life. Fall in love with Jesus, learn to walk with him, and watch as you begin to walk in a very almost effortless way with the Lord. Andrew Murray said this. He said, as the believer surrenders himself to a life in the spirit and willingly consents to the leading of the spirit, the mortifying of the flesh, the obedience to the rule of Christ without limit or exception, he says this, he will become what he gives himself to. Wow. As we give ourselves over to the Lord, he who is life, it becomes our life. His life becomes ours. Look at verse 13 one more time. I want you to see this, how everything has to be done by the Spirit. Verse 13 says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do you put to death the misdeeds of the body? By the Spirit. How many times in my life have I tried to destroy strongholds in my own strength, only to find that I've done it again and again? How many times did I wake up in my mess of addiction saying today is not the day, and by 9 a.m. I was already looking around for whatever I needed? This is what Paul is getting at. This new life is not about self-control. There's a, there's a place for that, don't get me wrong, but it's about entering into a realm of the Holy Spirit and living by the Spirit. It's about yielding to a power that comes from God and living by that power. That's why God also spoke through Ezekiel in 36, 27. He says, I will pour out my spirit in you and cause you to follow me. The spirit in you will cause you to come after the Father. The spirit in you longs to do the will of the Father, which means what is your true job now? What is your true fight? It's not striving. It's surrendering to the spirit in you that wants to already do the will of the Father. That's how you live by the spirit. Paul is revealing that this new life is one that is initiated and sustained by the Holy Spirit from beginning to end. And finally, the last thing I'll share with you is verses 5 and 6. What you set your mind on, you begin to walk in. Very, very important. What does it mean to, what does it mean to live or walk in the Holy Spirit? Paul says it's to set your mind on the Spirit. If you set your mind on the flesh, you'll walk by the flesh. So one, to set, to set. It's not just a one-time thing. This is a fixed position we need to have. We have to have a fixed position of our mind. What is he saying? 
I believe what Paul is getting at here is it's, it's to live in continual awareness of God's present presence that's always with you. To set your mind on the spirit is to live a life of which you are continually aware that God is with you. It's to always be in awareness that his presence is with you wherever you go. And I believe what Paul, Paul is getting at is that this is not just an intellectual activity. He's not just speaking of an intellectual knowledge. This is an experiential knowledge of unbroken communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit wherever you go. He's saying, are you aware that the Spirit of God is with you at all times? And to walk in the Spirit is to continually be aware that he's with you and to continually be in communion and let him guide you wherever you go. It's just that simple. To live with your attention on the Holy Spirit. Do you know that it's very possible to be in a room with only one person and never give them your attention? Likewise, it's possible to be in a room with many people, hundreds, and only be listening to one conversation. And this is what Paul's getting at. It's, it's learning to have an ear that's attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And wherever you go, you are aware that he's with you, that he loves you, that he wants to lead you. Right? How many times have I gotten to a position in my life and said, man, what am I going to do? And I failed to realize that God was with me in that moment, just waiting for me to turn to him. I feel what Paul is getting at is to live a life of awareness of his presence. Like Jacob woke up from that dream and said, surely the Lord is here and I never realized it. How many of us live a life failing to realize God is with us at all times? Listen to me. Satan cannot rob you from the presence of God. So what he will do is distract you with other things to set your mind on. See, this is the heart of it. We allow all these other things to, to rob us of living in continual awareness of God with us. We allow problems and bills and all these other things to begin to transcend God himself in our life. And Paul is saying it's simply this. Shift your attention back to the Lord who is with you. Live God conscious rather than problem conscious or self conscious. Because what you put your attention on grows. That which you focus on begins to be magnified. So as you focus on the Lord, he is magnified in your life. I've even heard it said that Eve's problem was not so much she did. It was the eating of the fruit, obviously. But what it really started with is she gave her attention to the serpent. She gave attention first. And so we're called to live a life of which our attention is on the Lord. Because without even knowing it, we can be so consumed with our problems and all these other things that they become magnified in our life, and all of a sudden we forget that God is with us in there. What's interesting is as we become aware of his presence, most of the time all of our problems actually just kind of get swallowed up in that. Is that not what, is that not what David said in the Psalms? What did David say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is with me. Was David saying that I live in a fantasy land where everything is just perfect? No. David said, I'm aware of what's going on in my life, but I choose to focus on the presence of God that is with me in the midst of this trial. That is the key. I love what Eric Gilmore said. He said this, tomorrow is often the thief of experiencing God today. Wow. Tomorrow is often the thief of experiencing God today. I'll leave you with this. If God is as big as he says he is, 
then we shouldn't have that hard time finding them. So if we are, clearly we've allowed our mind and our heart to be captured by something completely inferior to him. And he simply says, turn your attention to me. Turn your attention to me. Come into awareness that I'm with you. I'm going to ask, actually just Jasmine, can you just come up? I'm going to have Jasmine come up, and I'm just going to pray a few things over us as we close. And then forever who would like, we can, uh, we can have a time of prayer for those that would like to hang around and, and pray with us if there's something that God is, is speaking to you personally. But I, I do want to leave you with this, just some practical things real quick. If you struggle with living a life of awareness on God's presence with you, first and foremost, it's the secret place. It has to start there. If you have yet to develop a lifestyle of daily being with the Lord, that's where everything starts. But once you do that, as you begin to walk with the Lord and you find yourself in the busyness of work and whatnot, I've found things like this. When I commute to work, when I did commute, I don't commute now, but when I used to commute to work, you can listen to music, listen to a sermon. I would encourage you to be uh, in a group of friends that can edify you. I have that. I have people that will just randomly send messages of what God is doing in their life. And you know how many times that message is actually exactly what I'm walking through and I need to hear that? It's just doing things to keep your attention on him at all days, all the time. But the one thing I want to share with you that I feel like God's taking us into, and we'll talk more on this in the weeks to come, is fasting. Is fasting. There is no greater way in my life personally for me to live a life of awareness of God than when I enter into fasting. And I know for some this may be something that's foreign and we'll go more into it, but there's something that happens when I begin to deny my flesh to say I'm hungering more for the true bread of life. I, I promise you this, you will find yourself throughout the day continually being aware of him because you will get hungry and you say, Lord, I need you now. But I promise you, if you struggle with that, there's breakthrough, breakthrough in that. So I just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I just want to pray. I believe the Lord will impart some things here. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for those right now that have a hard time waiting upon you. Lord, I ask by your grace that you would help them, Lord. Teach them, Holy Spirit, how to wait upon you. Teach them how to sense, as the eagle senses, the movement of the wind. Teach them how to truly wait until they sense you moving. Lord, I, I pray for those people that their life would be known as a life that's lived by the Spirit. So right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, the restlessness that some feel in this room right now of having to go, 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 I just pray, Lord, that, that there would be a, a fresh just stillness and peace upon their life. God, I pray that they see that when they rest, they're truly entrusting their lives to you. So Lord, I just pray for an increase of trust in their life that you are good and you're in control. And it's okay for them to rest and wait for you, Lord. I pray that for us as a church, 
Lord, let all that we do here come from a place of waiting and being quickened by the Spirit. Lord, I pray for those that are deeply weary, deeply frustrated because they continually try to come after you in their own strength. I thank you that in your goodness, you're allowing frustration to happen. I thank you that you're awakening people right now to a greater realm that is available. Lord, I pray for those people specifically that you would help them to lose control over their life. Lord, help them to entrust themselves fully to you. Thank you that even right now, Lord, you're speaking of things you will do, places you will lead people. Listen, even if the Lord leads you to a place that's uncomfortable, when you're in your, his will, there's, there's no safer place to be. There's no better place to be. Know that. Lord, I pray that the peace of God would be a marker for hearts in here that they're in your will. That even if outwardly it seems chaotic, there's an inward peace confirming they're walking in the right place, Lord. God, I pray for just a releasing today of rest and ease of walking with you. I pray that there would be physical manifestations of that eagle walking in stillness and rest and peace. I thank you for the places that you're going to take people in here, Lord. A realm that's higher than where they're living even right now. Spirit, I pray that you would seal everything you've done here. Lord, mark lives forever in this place. That we would be a people known as living by the Spirit. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.